Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and 22 through 31. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. At the entrance of the gates of the portals she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields, or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, Then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. This is the word of the Lord. For our second reading today comes from the Epistle to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Listen for the word of God as the Spirit comes, speaks to us, both then and now. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the very glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. And this hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of the Lord. Today is a special day. It is the Sunday after Pentecost, marking the beginning of the church year. We call this Sunday Trinity Sunday, marking the importance of the three personhoods of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, also sometimes called the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. Appropriately, it's also Father's Day. 
It's also my mother's birthday. <laughs> and my grandfather would always say that the greatest gift he ever received on Father's Day was, of course, my mom. And yes, school is finally over. Summer is here. Top of the park has kicked off. Travel plans are being made or eagerly anticipated. Time off is also anticipated. And so is that warmer weather. <laughs> As such, we begin a new church theme for this summertime. The overarching word for this summer series is called beloved. And we look at three different ways that we are beloved. We're beloved by be being belonging. We are beloved in believing. And we are beloved in becoming. This love that permeates our life together first becomes to us in the sense of belonging, and we welcome our newest members today as part of belonging to this family, particularly to this church and into the, the broader body of Christ. These disciples that we left in the upper room with the Pentecost and the, the whooshing spirit coming in and the flames and the tongues, we left them there as they were struggling for a sense of belonging. Jesus may be gone, but his spirit is with us, and they would carry this spirit by their feet, by their actions, by their words, out to the ends of the earth, declaring that the kingdom of God is here, now, within and among us, and that all are welcome to belong. Yet there are times in our lives when we don't feel like we belong, or we wonder if we will belong. For me, I remember that time when, that summer, when I was facing going off to college. Yes, I was very excited to be out from the house, and yet I also knew that I was leaving behind a pillar of my faith, a pillar of my security, and I wondered who would be waiting for me at college? What kind of choices would I make without friends and family to lean on? I looked up and breathed in the fresh ocean air as I realized that on this spot where I was, in this vacation out on Hawaii, that there was this beautiful vista created by this lava that had come up from the earth and cooled. I was on a family vacation, and I thought that this might be the last time I was with my family for a while, and I was a little scared. I prayed for good friends in college that I would find a place to belong. And that's when I wondered, where was my dad? After all, he had planned this trip. He had organized a lot of these trips, not just to Hawaii, but to other places. In fact, he did a lot for our family. Back then, with less than 5% of fathers stay-at-home dads, he was one of those dads, taking us to and from school, sports practices and other activities, making us dinner, although we had to pack our lunch, helping us with our homework, making sure we were going to bed at a decent hour or at least away in our rooms. Today, a quarter of dads now are stay-at-home dads. And yet also, both parents, both mothers and fathers, 
are working harder and longer hours. Dual income households have gone from 50% to now two thirds of all American households. As they work longer and harder, the extracurricular activities crowd out the calendar for any time to rest and relax, let alone family time. Our fathers and our mothers alike are the pillars of the family, keeping families from falling apart. They deserve our gratitude more than one day a year. And yet, of course, even as pillars of the family, we still ask questions of them, sometimes challenging them. Isn't it in our nature to poke and prod the very pillars on which we stand? My inspiration, of course, is Calvin and Hobbes, that comic strip where Calvin is known for readily challenging anyone and anything to his inquisitive mind. I think of one scene in particular where Calvin is shoveling the snow off his driveway. Shovel, 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 he has in the first flame, in the first frame, until he gets an idea. And he yells back at the house, why can't we have a snowblower? We must be the only family in the world that still shovels the driveway by hand. Plus, I'm freezing. Let me pause and say that this is me. I was Calvin. My family grew up never having a snowblower, and as the eldest son, the only son, I was the one who shoveled the driveway. Now, my wife is quick to point out, yes, but you lived in Delaware, honey. We still got snow some years. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm yell- um, Calvin is yelling back at the house, asking, why don't we have a snowblower? And his dad opens the door to inform him, the reason, son, we do not have a snowblower is because it builds character. Keep at it. <laughs> so Calvin goes back to shoveling, muttering a response. Isn't it convenient how every time I build character, he's the one saving time and money? Now, for the record, my father-in-law actually gifted me last year a snowblower. After all, (laughs) I do live in Michigan. But I will say that I never used it. Perhaps it's because I built some character, like my dad and Calvin's dad wanted but probably it had more to do with the fact that I'd never used one and didn't know who to ask. It's one thing I forgot to ask my father. And yet, will we ever know if we are not asking questions? Don't questions lead us to the heart of wisdom? In Proverbs today, we see wisdom call out of understanding, raising her voice. Listen as wisdom speaks. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of God's acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. Here wisdom cries out, saying that I too was with the creator when the world was woven together. I wonder if the writer of Gospel John also thought about this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. These are wise words. And whether it was mountains or hills, earth or sky, the foundations of the deep or the limits of the sea, wisdom 
is woven into the fabric, built into the foundation of the world. And wisdom delighted in the creation, both of earth and the human race. Indeed, wisdom is the embodiment of the fabric of the universe. If we look at the sciences and we look out in the world, they continually ask questions and they continually receive answers. Science has developed incredible theories from astrophysics to quantum mechanics, evolutionary biology to plate tectonics, to name just a few. And these systems of explanation reveal a beautiful, complex world full of mystery and intrigue that is interconnected and understandable. We ask questions of the, of the nature of the universe. We know there is an answer somewhere waiting to be discovered because wisdom is woven into the womb of the world. That something, someone, created out of understanding and to be understood. And yet, there is one question that I think continues to elude us. That question that Calvin was asking, why am I shoveling? Or more existential, why am I suffering? This is a question that continues to evade us. Entire religions are founded on the premise to address this one question, why is there suffering in the world? Here is where the wise words of Paul come in. While Paul does not have an answer for why there is suffering, Paul does give us a response that through suffering, there is endurance. Through endurance, character, and through character, there is hope. Is Calvin's dad actually quoting Paul that it builds character, this suffering? When we look at the suffering of Christ, we see the end of a story, the end of hope for any answer. And yet, we also look to our tradition of 2,000 years and know that the story is not over, but just beginning. We have endured, and through this endurance, we have built that elusive dad goal of character. It is this character that produces hope. But what good is hope? Hope is foolish, isn't it? Especially for those who have not suffered or even for those who have suffered. And yet there's something connected from the very beginning of the world that says these things are connected. That the very wisdom that was seeded in the world from the beginning is also the seed of our hope. This hope led the Israelites from Egypt. This hope gave Dr. King a dream. This hope inspired Bonhoeffer to defy a dictator. This hope carried me into college, into a group of lifelong friends, pillars of hope that I continue to lean on today. When all has passed away, Wisdom is still there. It was in the beginning, as it always was, giving us strength in what remains. And this wisdom exists to give us hope. 
The importance of hope perhaps is summarized best by Jürgen Moltmann, the theologian best known for his work, The Theology of Hope. We cannot live without hope, he declares. In fact, hell is hopelessness. It is no accident that above the entrance to Dante's hell is the inscription, leave behind all hope, you who enter here. To live without hope is to cease to live. For through hope, we find the will to endure, the will to build that character. We who enter here today hold on to this hope, knowing that it rests in the Christ, the risen one. Perhaps holding on to this hope is the secret to being a father, to being a parent, to being human after all. We cling to this hope, knowing that to live is to suffer, and yet to hope is to live. So let us hope more deeply, so that we might live more fully, that we can be a sign and symbol of God's wisdom in the world from the beginning until the end, and to love in this world as followers of Christ, as mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, together a family of faith and a pillar for the earth. Alleluia. Amen. Let us continue to pray as we bow our heads. We pray to the one who continues to hear our prayers. O holy God, on this Trinity Sunday, we remember that you are holy creator and redeemer and sustainer, three in one. You are the masculine Father God, and you are also the feminine wisdom of God, your Holy Spirit. And you came to us in human form as Jesus Christ, so we could more deeply know your love. On this Fathering Sunday, we remember all the people who have nurtured us, especially the important men in our lives. Here are prayers for our fathers around the world. We remember fathers who are older, but still bear the responsibility of raising children and grandchildren. And we remember fathers who mean well, but sometimes make mistakes. We remember fathers who are single parents, who through personal sacrifice and perseverance provide a loving home for their children. And we pray for fathers and mothers and families and their children throughout the world caught in the terrors of violence and living in fear. We especially remember people who, because of various circumstances, are unable to become fathers. We remember fathers who have adopted children and fathers who have given up their rights as fathers. We pray for all those who don't have a father still alive with them on this Father's Day, especially those whose fathers died too long, young. We ask that you would comfort them in their grief on this day and help them to cling to beloved memories. We pray for all in our church family and community who are grieving for other reasons, grieving the loss of a loved one, the diagnosis of a serious illness, a change in life that they didn't foresee. We pray for all in our church community battling illnesses or recoveries of any sort. Eternal Trinity, bestow the grace of hope and healing upon those who are ill in mind, body, and spirit, 
and grant those who give them care continuing strength and perseverance. God of goodness and grace, we ask that you would hold these new members in your heart this day as they join this church family. Strengthen their desire to know you and to serve you. Encourage them to learn about you, the God that they love. Engraft them to this family so that their sense of belonging is sure and strong. Show them the gifts you have given them to do your work in this world. May First Pres be a place they can know and serve you and feel like they belong. Let us all go forward trusting you, O Lord. We pray for the transition into the summer months, for families who are regrouping after school has ended, for people traveling far and wide, for people who are moving from one place of residence to another this summer. We also pray for the storms this time of year brings. We ask that you would protect everyone in these paths of destruction. Eternal Trinity, we ask that with our God-given intellect and the love of Christ and the holy courage of the Spirit, that you would give us the ability and the call to serve all the people of God with justice, mercy, and peace. Help us to strongly encourage the leaders of our nation and our community and our world of the necessity to do likewise. O oh Lord, we pray for all the other joys and concerns on our hearts this morning. May your wisdom guide us to make difficult decisions and as always to hear your still, small voice calling us forward. We pray all of this as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.